This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Man City keep on rolling. Everton win against Liverpool for the first time in a very long time. Inter Milan destroy AC Milan 3-0. We have She Believes Cup recaps. We have PSG losing. We have La Liga as well. Heath Beers joins us today. Que golazo weekend recap begins right now. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gay Go Lasso, our weekend recap. Jimmy Conrad not here. We're going to miss him. But we have, of course, Heath Pierce to run the show with me. HP, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. It's a beautiful Sunday. So, uh, and I'm excited to talk. There's been wild games, you know, leagues that we thought were running away are now getting closer. So I'm, uh, I'm excited about this. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. And to your point, uh, a lot of action as always. And we're going to get straight into it, baby. Let's begin in the Premier League. And we'll begin from the top of the table, uh, going all the way down. Maybe not all the way, but uh, definitely from the top. Man City. Man City continues their victory run. They keep on rolling, looking good. And they win. one nothing against Arsenal, though, Heath Pierce. It wasn't necessarily... You know, one of these monumental 4-1, 3-1. I actually thought they were going to get away with it even more. But Arsenal and Mikel Arteta really showed a lot of resiliency. I mean, it was an early goal they gave away. And you thought, oh, my God, this was just going to get bad and bad. Raheem Sterling gets a header. <laughs> Rob Holding, oh, six foot three, six foot four, whatever he is, couldn't get it. Raheem Sterling gets it. And it's one nothing to Man City. It stays like that. Plenty of opportunity in the second half. But again, as I reiterate, Arsenal did enough to make it interesting, but couldn't get a point and Man City win and remain top of the table. Yeah, and I think this is an indicator of, of, uh, of their form, right? Their, their depth. You take out Rodri, you put in Fernandinho. You've got Noah Aguero. You have Kevin De Bruyne come back. You've got this diamond that has, uh, you have the ability to rotate so many players. You don't play with a striker, uh, but you get your one goal. And, and again, you know, Man City of the past was, you know, two, three, four goals, but the Man City now is is willing to take, and again, I, I think they'd be happy to take win by multiple goals, but the fact that they are getting out of these games with clean sheets is is absolutely uh, ridiculous. I think I, I think um, Arsenal came to life after a while and they settled in, and, and that's one of those early goals that's really hard to overcome, especially against a city where you can go long spells without possession, but um, that's the most impressive for me is just, you know, Riyad Mahrez, Gundogan, like these are two guys that have been squad players. And then uh, when one form dips of a player or you rotate the squad in a year like this, these players are the ones stepping up. And if you look across the Premier League, there's an exact reason why they're on top. It's because each one of these guys has pulled their weight. And that's really hard to do, right? It's really hard to motivate guys who are in and out of lineups. It's hard to motiv motivate a deep squad of players who all think they're the best. Um, and so a lot of that credit has to go to uh, Pep Guardiola, obviously still a long ways to go with their, their primary competition in the Champions League. But, um, you know, just an impressive ability against an Arsenal who aren't easy um, to 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 get all three points. 
Yep, absolutely right. Um, and also, by the way, Kevin De Bruyne returned and, you know, he went back to his old self of being super creative. And by the way, the chances were not completely overwhelming for Man City. I mean, when you look at the stats over here, you have like 15 shots, three on target only for Man City to uh, Arsenal, seven shots, I believe, one on target. The possession was sort of, I mean, 55 to 45, not insanely overwhelming. Uh, for Pep Guardiola's side. But I think the key here was just what they do in the final third. And also something I've been very impressed with, uh, Heath Beers, is how Man City defends. I mean, it's been uh, a theme here now where we know they're going to score goals. It doesn't matter who's in there. You know, you had Kevin De Bruyne uh, out there with Riyad Mahrez. You mentioned, of course, Bernardo Silva. So they don't need a natural number nine. They're always going to get creativity from someone it's more about what they do at the back i think somebody like sinchenko hugely underrated player in the premier league i think Cancelo looks good obviously we've talked about their center back situation but defensively and it goes back to that cliche heath pierce defense wins you championships and that's really what's happening right here with man city yeah not only that uh, you know you you have that back six but what I was impressed about in this game, and again, this is all about this is all about defensive. Uh, City actually didn't have a lot of chances outside of the you know the first couple of minutes of, of the game, and or at least clear chances. But what I really liked is if you look, they made it really hard for an Arsenal who want to play out of everything. They made it hard to play when you have uh, your a front five where you have a Sterling who's got the energy and willingness to press. When you have a Gundogan, when you have these guys who are willing to keep the game in front of them and press up, press up, press up. The game gets really predictable. And then you know where you need to win the ball in order to, to uh, attack, right? And again, this, I, I guess that's the point I was trying to make before in terms of motivating these, these players. When you have this much squad rotation, Riyad Mahrez doesn't want to press. He doesn't want to play defense. But in the system and the form that they have, the game gets really predictable. You know, you see the front five and they're all pressing. There's all a commitment. Uh, they're all committing to being part of this defensive shifting and, 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 and again, making it predictable for that back four or five to know when to step, when we can win the ball, where we're going to win it, what we're going to do next. It's just so well oiled that there's no players that are, that are taking plays off. And if, again, if you take them out and you put Aguero in, Aguero knows how to start the first line of, of the press. And, and that's a really hard thing to do with the, some of the best players in the world, right? They want to be able to rest. You have your defending your blocks, but you have a couple players sort of making their transition back into defense and things like that. So, uh, you know, it's the it's it's obviously the, the the perfect time to be having a team that's buying into this moment. But they all see that it's working, and not only in in, in getting three points, but also in their goals against record, uh, they are defending as a unit. Uh, in a way that they are at least committed, right? And, and making the game predictable, which, you know, you've played, I've played it. When the game is predictable, it's so much easier for your back six to know, oh, we can step, you know, the, the back line can move their line so much more confidently than saying, do we step, do we drop? And you start to see um, everybody on separate pages, which is, you know, what Arsenal looked like in the first few minutes, right? Uh, center back stepping, uh, full back dropping, and just looked all out of place, whereas City just looks so clean in, in the way that they're moving right now. Yeah, and just that one final point, uh, Heath, Man City has conceded so far 15 goals in the Premier League. That's nothing. The closest one after that, I think, is Chelsea with 25 so, you know, defensively, they're just out of their minds. And they're 59 points, top of the table, 10 above. Manchester United, who won 3-1 uh, 
against Newcastle. A very good win. It was a little iffy in the first half, but then they got going in the second. Uh, I believe Rashford got one. Bruno Fernandes as well. Daniel James, a good win. They remain second. I guess this is more... Uh, they won 2-1. I'm sorry. No, was it the 3-1? Let me just that go was three, back. Yeah. Um, um, no, absolutely. Bruno Fernandes scored the third. Yeah, see, this is what happens when I don't have enough coffee. 3-1, absolutely. Bruno Fernandes gets that penalty. But I think the bigger conversation here, Heath Pierce, is uh, Newcastle. Because, you know, now they're three points above the relegation zone. Fulham, who got a good win this weekend, they have a worse goal differential than Fulham. So, you know, uh, another bad result. And Fulham gets a win, and they're in the bottom three. And this is something I predicted at the very beginning of the season. I don't want Newcastle to go down, by the way, everybody. Okay, soft spot for Norberto Solano. Uh, but Steve Bruce is just going to Steve Bruce, and I feel that they've had some good wins. I mean, they beat Everton, they beat Southampton, but it might just not be enough. I, I just don't know. It doesn't look good for them as Man United beat uh, Newcastle. Any thoughts on that, Heath Pierce, especially since our – Newcastle supporter Jimmy Conrad is in here, so we can talk freely about the Magpies. Yeah, now that this is a safe space, actually, he's usually one to create the safe space around around Newcastle and is happy yeah. to avoid the conversation, especially in a year like this. But yeah, I think they're in trouble, right? It, it's it's a form thing, and while I while I do think Fulham um, are are the more likely to go down at this point, um, they do have two wins in their last four, and I think they're unbeaten in their last four of their last five, and that's a an indicator that they feel a little bit of hope. And when you see somebody above you starting to continuing to slide a little bit, uh, you can taste blood. And, and, and I think that puts the form into Fulham's hands and less so into Newcastle's hands. Yeah. They've had a couple of good results this year. Um, but that means nothing if you can't put together uh, a good string of results. So I, I, uh, you know, I, I, today's the kind of day that I would love to get Jimmy's take on that. Somebody who's been on the inside, watching them closely uh, all year long on what he thinks uh, is the issue, but, um, yeah, a, a big win for Fulham, um, and, and a tough loss, right? And not, not a tough loss because men United are man United. And I know we give United a hard time, but they're fighting for second place, uh, in theory with, with Leicester city at this point and are a very good team. Um, and it's just kind of like insult to injury when you have a tough run of form like Newcastle has, and then you have to face a Manchester United. It, it just makes you realize every game from here on out is going to be a scrap for a point or three points, whether it's home or away. You're staying with Fulham though, going down. It's, it's, I, I, I mean, it's probably a little bit biased just because you look at Fulham and Newcastle as clubs. And I just naturally lean towards, towards that. And there's probably <laughs> not a lot of, um, uh, insights or expertise behind that. Obviously look, if you look at the form right now, I'm liking Fulham to, to keep going, but um, when you look at the squad quality, when you look at the depth of the squads, I still like Newcastle. They've just in a, a, a poor run. And, and also you just don't think about Newcastle going down, right? You don't think it's not, you just go, Oh, they'll figure it out by the end. It's, it's just a really bad year. Yeah, um, but it's happened so, before, right? So, yeah. you know, we never, it's just like Villa. We didn't think Villa would go down and look what happened. And the other thing I feel here, Heath, is that it's, this is about squad depth, which is a very good point you make against strategy. And I feel that Scott Parker has a better foundation right now. And uh, Steve Bruce is just relying on pure talent. And sometimes when that isn't enough, and of course, Callum Wilson's absence is a major thing. It's going to be a problem. By the way, last game of the season for, for them, Fulham. <laughs> oh, wow. That'd be nice. I, the sad part is that it's usually decided by, by that point. But if there is, if there is points on the line for that, that would be, 
uh, fantastic. But at a certain point, right? And, and you made a great point. Newcastle has to realize they are not Newcastle anymore. And they have to take what they have. Like, it becomes, like you said, a tactical thing. You, I remember looking at, uh, w- when I played in the Bundesliga, I remember we, we put up on a board, right? How many games we have left in the season and how many points we need to take out of each month, right? And I, and I did this also in Major League Soccer because it's about making the playoffs. You need to pull out X amount of points per month against these opponents. You look at the strength of the squads, who you're playing against. You know you're going to have a few washes. Instead of it being Newcastle's just going to finally find their form again, instead say, all right, we need to take six points this month. We need to take nine points the next month against these teams, and that will, will save our season, as opposed to, like you said, having a little bit more of that Leeds type of uh, mentality of, like, we have enough talent. We should win these games. We're just in a slump because that slump, when that hits the locker room and that and it poisons the well a little bit, it's really, really hard to come out of because, you know, again, one or two of these things are unlucky, and then you just go, well, this is a, a you know, it's a cursed season. There's nothing we can do. Yeah. No, absolutely right. All right, let's keep going down this uh, table. Leicester City beat my Aston Villa 2-1. Uh, Harvey Barnes was amazing. Leicester City is a great team. Uh, albeit, this is Aston Villa that played without Jack Grealish, who suffered a, a, an injury uh, on Friday. So really, you know, it's a day-to-day situation. Dean a Smith. something game streak, by the way. Yeah. Of, of matches played. Absolutely. But you know that it was coming just, you know, the, the amount that that takes uh, for just not him, but all these players. But uh, apparently Leeds is, which is the next game uh, next weekend. It might be too close, but after that, it should be fine. But Matty Cash was a major absence here for the Aston Villa right back. But anyway, Leicester City deserved that win to nothing, uh, meaning that, of course, their third uh, West Ham beating Tottenham 2-1. They're in a Champions League spot still, 2-0, and then Spurs got one back, so made it 2-1 at the end. So your top four is kind of amazing. Uh, Man City, Manchester United, Leicester City, and West Ham United. What do you think of that, Heath Pierce? It's pretty incredible. It's sad to see what's happened to the run of form of of, of Spurs, right? Lost four of their last five. Uh, Pretty disappointing when you think about a game like this, right? They had, this, this was a weird one, um, by the way. They they gave up, they had all possession. They had 70% possession or something like that. But David Moyes was like, ah, no problem. You guys have it. We'll just do what you do to you and we'll just sit back uh, and wait and we'll be disciplined. And, and it ended up working out. Um, but it, there was, I, I will say, the only thing I'll say about the Spurs game is that there was flashes of, uh, of Gareth Bale when he came on. There was yeah. the first time that I've seen flashes of old Gareth Bale which we um, saw in Europa League as well on Thursday. Uh, that is true. That is true. So there's something in it that that you can see he's starting to find that love or passion or or form or whatever it is that's been. Ow! Oh, I'm getting that leg cramp right now. It's <laughs> happened again. Sorry. I'm gonna keep this. Everybody's watching this on video. You'd see what just happened to my leg. Oh, that okay? is terrible, man. I cannot sit in chairs anymore with my feet <laughs> under like you do in a school classroom uh, because my whole hamstring just shuts down on me. Sorry. Anyways, the point I was making um, is that Antonio was back, obviously, for, for West Ham, which I think is a huge, huge uh, importance. But, um, you know, West Ham, that that maturity of willingness to change formations, going from a three line to a four lo- four back line, things like that. Um, shows a maturity in how you manage a season, right? That there, there is a certain level of arrogance you get from some managers. And I'm not, this is not about Mourinho or anybody uh, specifically. 
that they think um, we go out and we we implement our attack on everyone, right? This they make them make adjustments, and I agree with that to some extent. But there also needs to be a little bit of humility of like, who are we playing the next week? What's the form of our team? How can we tinker the right way? We're seeing obviously Thomas Tuchel tinkering a lot. Um, we saw Frank Lampard tink uh, tinkering a lot, um, and that's not always a good thing either. But that fine balance is what makes great managers great, um, and and they deployed that well against Spurs. And now Spurs are really in tough shape right now. Thirty six points it looks like. Yeah, and Tottenham are not looking good at all, and this has been an issue for a while now. And you know, this has really just been the theme of this season, Heath, where you know the top four look interesting right now. Europa League spots in the top half of the table. And the name of the game right now is, to be honest with you, it's not even about talent. It's it's trying. It's once again the question: Is Jose Mourinho uh, adapting enough to what the modern game needs? And I'm not calling him, and you know, a has been, but I believe that when you look at Tottenham every now and again, they just have a plan A, and that's it. There's no other plan, and that's a problem. It's a problem for Tottenham, and it's a problem for Jose Mourinho. I agree, and I think the hardest part with with that is again we've talked about it a lot of times is you, when you come in you have to get buy-in from your players right you have to get buy-in that this system's going to work and when it works you continue to buy in you know you you win because of the coach or despite the coach or whatever that you get that group together somehow and it, and it works and then when it doesn't it's really hard to get people to keep buying in because it's a very ugly style of play like i say ugly in the sense that like it is a very um tactical style of play there is a system in place that sacrifices some of the magic or some of the quality that, that some of these players that Spurs bring to the table um, and it was working early in the season right counterattack ball these guys attack with pace with Sun with Kane just go 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 um, and then when it starts to to, to dry up you you start to the players start to question it so I think I, I don't know and, and and this has always been the question for people right is a, a Mourinho can he do it without a blank check? And can he do it not at a great team, right? And and they are a good team. They are a great attacking team. But those two things don't necessarily fit his system, right? Like, I think if he could, he'd clean house with the back six and then rebuild that whole back six to say, oh, no, let's do what City does and let's just win 1-0, even though City is on the possession side. But let's just get clean sheets and then we'll figure out the rest, you know? Um, and And right now... It's it's hard to imagine. I don't know. It just it, it looks a little dysfunctional. And when you when that wheel starts to turn long enough, um, you you start to wonder. Like you said, is he adapting to the modern game? Because I do think that that still it, it is a breath of fresh air what he was bringing earlier on in the year. But it's clearly not working um, either against the quality of the opponent or it's not working against the, the 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 commitment from the players that he currently has. Yep, and the fact remains they are ninth, 36 points. Um, and, you know, in terms of getting anything, whether it's Europa, definitely not Champions League, is uh, something that probably won't happen by the end of the season. So food for thought. All right, the final thing that we're just talking about, the Premier League, of course, on Saturday's game, Liverpool. Oh, man, you got to feel for Liverpool, Heath Pierce. Uh, Jordan Henderson comes out, uh, not, not before, of course, uh, Everton had the lead already, but... You know, then there was uh, that penalty that, you know, it's tough, but then the rules, I think, you know, just, you know, regardless of what happened, Trent Alexander-Arnold, as he fell, obviously, you know, uh, obstructed the run 
uh, impeding the play from Dominic Calvert-Lewin, meaning that it was a penalty. You just, you can't, it's, it's, it's tough, but it's a goal. But regardless of that, Everton win 2 nothing. Hammers with a great assist for Richarlison and Everton for the first time since 2010 beat Liverpool. And it's a great win for Everton, uh, back on track for them. But you just have to feel for Liverpool to be out there. I mean, obviously, they're having a tough season. They're not doing what they... But when you lose Virgil van Dijk, Joel Matip, Joe Gomez, Jordan Henderson goes down. Uh, you had Thiago Alcantara, who wasn't available for a while. Fabinho uh, wasn't available to play. It's just, it's just a lot. It's too much. It's too much for anybody. And then when you combine that with individual mistakes, especially how Allison made that mistake in the previous game... And now here with, you know, just, you know, uh, we mentioned Jordan Henderson going down. It's just, it's just a lot. It's obstacle after obstacle. And you got to feel, it's weird, but you got to feel sorry for them a little bit, I think. Yeah. And then when you look at um, bringing in, what's his name? Kabak or. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Kabak. That's right. I was in Kabak. Who hasn't settled in well, right? Has come at the worst time imaginable. And you can't blame Um, him. He's not, he's not not ready. He's not ready. And he's being thrown in the lines then. He's just being thrown in the lines then. He's a good defender. He's a good center back, but even a world-class defender, you're asking a lot. When you're asking this of a 20 year old who just comes from the Bundesliga, a team, by the way, that's struggling anyway in Schalke, it's just, it's a lot. It is, it is a lot, and it's a lot of pressure to put on him. It is one of those seasons, I'd say, the only, the only um, plus is that they, they are. I made the example before about when a team feels like, oh, the, the whole, like this is a, a cursed season. You know, we need to get out the voodoo doll and, and kind of, you know, write this one off and move on to the, to the next year. They're a, they are able to look at it this way, you know, um, because they were overperforming for the players that they had for a long time. Right. They were finding a way There was like a, a vibe to them. And then eventually that, that luck or that, you know, momentum ran out because they just don't have the depth they don't have. And then again, you add that to probably the most unlucky team in a lot of ways this year too. It's just one of those things where you go, man, um, I, I think it's going to be very hard for them to finish in a champions league spot or in a European spot this year, uh, within the context of where they finish in the league. Um, they're, they're obviously cruising champions league and, and, um, I do think that's probably their best shot. Uh, I'm not, I'm not sure what other competitions they're still in, but, um, in terms of getting into champions league, it, they've got to go for a champions league trophy, which again, you look at them and you look at what's happened and you're like, that's odds are really low, uh, with, with the, with the current squad that they have. Yeah, it's very difficult. And we've said it already for a few weeks, Liverpool in sixth place right, right now, you know, the Champions League is not a done deal here, Champions League spot. So you would say that their only saving grace right now would be to win it in order to uh, see what happens. But it's not going to, I'm not saying that it's not going to happen, but it's very difficult. It's not, it's not a given here. And you can't help but think that a lot of it has to do, obviously, with the injuries and absentees. All right, we're going to come back. Quick break. When we come back, uh, we'll talk the rest of Europe, including a ridiculous win for Inter Milan. Stay right here. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. 
But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account. Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Welcome back, everybody. Kego Lasso Weekend Recap with my man Heath Piers. Heath, uh, let's talk the rest of Europe. By the way, Serie A is ridiculously fun. Inter Milan was leading, AC Milan second. Milan derby on Sunday morning, uh, Eastern time, really early um, Pacific. But this was a key, key matchup. And Inter take it three Nothing. I saw this game. Inter were just up for it in every single way. AC Milan was not up for it, or at the very least, they just didn't have a response to the aggressive Conte style. This was, if you wanted an Antonio Conte style of win, this was it. Lautaro Martinez was fantastic, but Romelo Lukaku was everywhere. He was everywhere. Great assist for the first goal for Lautaro Martinez. And then his goal was fantastic. And at this point, you know, I said, whoever wins this wins Serie A. And I think that I'm going to stick with that. Inter Milan just looks so good. They have nothing else to worry about, Heath Beers. There's no Champions League. There's no Europa. This is it. This is all they have to take care of. Kristen Eriksen played well. Look what he's done. A 180 starting for them playing well. I just, I feel, you know, I feel that this is Inter's league to now lose. And they look good. 3 nothing against AC Milan. Great win. Yeah, I agree with you. It was from the very beginning. I say the very beginning because I started watching it in the 15th minute. Um, <laughs> and and uh, because it was early on on this side. And I actually meant to get up for it, but missed it and then went into a panic. And I was like, how could I miss this? This is the biggest game of the year in Syria. Um, but I, I was able to get there around the 15th, 16th minute. And, and it just looked like two different teams, right? Um, AC Milan were spread out all over the place. And that played right into Lautaro Martinez, Lukaku, who was coming in from the right side, driving in constantly, kind of floating around. There was just an energy to them, and it just felt like momentum. Whereas AC Milan, I think, care um, struggled in the back. I think they had an inability. Like, if you watched when 
Milan lost the ball. They were spread out. And and Inter Milan could, I say EC Milan, uh, were, lost the ball. Inter would just attack them wide open, right? Three on three, four on four, go. When Inter lost the ball, they would literally get everyone behind it as quick as possible and kill any opportunity for AC Milan to do it. And then AC Milan didn't have any of their players that could stretch anyone, right? They had Zlatan up top. Um, they had Kalanoglu. They had um, uh, Salamakers. They, they didn't have anybody who was going to get in behind. No rough layout who was on the bench. They, they didn't have anybody that could pull them back and in, in transition, like quickly explode and get out. And that's the risk that they ran is that uh, Inter Milan tactically just outplayed them in the way of knowing, like, keep them in front of us. They're not going to have enough ideas to be able to break us down. And they did have some half chances along the way, but Inter so quick in transitions, just when that team wasn't organized, one, two, three fat passes goal. Um, and we're, it did not look like the Milan that we had seen earlier in the year. It looked like the Inter Milan that that is in peak form. They've been the same, this like more entertaining to watch. And made uh, AC Milan look like a team of years past uh, from start to finish in this game. It wasn't even close uh, in terms of just the energy, the momentum, the quality that you saw, the ability to solve problems in real time. It was just all Inter Milan start to finish. I'm with you, man. I'm going with it. I'm going with Inter to, to win this one. They're just I know so it's easy. It's a, it's a low-hanging fruit at this point. And makes me a little bit of a coward to wait this long, but um, I'll take it. No, it is, but you know, sometimes the the uh, the answer is right there in, in front of you, and I just think it goes back to this, which is what we've all been saying, Jimmy Conrad too. Like, you know, you don't have anything else to worry about. There is no other headache. There is no major um, game outside of Italy that you have to worry about. It's just this Scudetto is all you have to worry about. So, you know, the the focus, the strategy, the plan, the platform to try and get that Scudetto. That's it. That's all you have to do. And when everybody just has that objective, that target, it's going to be that much easier. And it's a big one. Juventus don't play until Monday, uh, but Inter Milan here with 53 points, top of the table. Milan's still with a shout. It's only four points away. It's not that this is done and dusted. It's just that I feel that with the Europa League coming back and, you know, just the, the fact that they have other things to worry about is a major problem is a major problem, and it's not for Inter Milan. And I just see this uh, as Scudetto for them, which would be amazing because, you know, Juventus has been winning this for, you know, the, the biggest part of the decade. Yeah, and look, AC Milan were, I think, one of the last unbeaten teams in Europe, right? And they had this incredible run of form and they hadn't really, I'm sure they faced adversity along the way, but now they've lost three in their last five. I think, yeah, three of their four losses have come in the last five games. Um, uh, of the season, that's not a great sign of, of, of where they're at, right? And when you think about the fact that, yeah, I do think Inter have the ability, uh, even though they've only lost twice, to draw games and give up points between here and the rest of the year, it's, it's kind of the conversation we've been having, which is like, if they skip a step, is AC Milan really good enough to, to, to cover that gap? Is Juventus good enough to cover that gap? Like, are they willing to win out for the rest of the year in the way that that City has? Or, 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 or you know, I don't think so. If when you look at today, you're like, man, they are vulnerable. Um, and I just don't know uh, if even if Inter Milan slip up, if they'll, if if AC Milan will be good enough consistently enough for the rest of the year to 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 be able to pass them. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's keep talking the rest of Europe. By the way, Atletico Madrid lost to Levante. 2-0. That's huge. Barcelona held by Cadiz. Huge. Uh, Real Madrid did win against Valladolid. 1-0. So La Liga now gets really interesting because Atletico's lead at the top 
you know, uh, shortens a little bit. They have their top of the table. They do have that game in hand, 55 points. But now Real Madrid take advantage of that Barcelona uh, draw and they remain second. They have an extra game over Barcelona and Atleti, but they're three points behind Atletico Madrid. Barcelona with 47 points. It's quite uh, quite a, a, an interesting situation. Sevilla doesn't play until Monday, so they have some games as well to catch up to. But with those two uh, not winning and and Real Madrid winning, it can get a little bit more interesting. And by the way, again, the same thing that we talked about AC Milan in terms of European competition, the same thing happens now with the Champions League uh, for all three of them. And, and see how the, the, the further they go into the Champions League, it's just another headache for them as well. It, it's always a problem when you're a, a, a team that's in multiple competitions. And in the Bundesliga, Eintracht Frankfurt, 2-1 against Bayern Munich. Quick one on that one, Heath Pierce. Yeah, Eintracht were great. They're, they're such an organized team, you know, uh, and they've been great all, all, year, all year long. And the difference is, is again, they, get, they, they, they went ahead on Bayern, and we saw all year long that Bayern sort of needed this wake-up call of, of going behind earlier, especially earlier in the year, of like, go down 1-0, we need to wake up and get into this game. And, and they weren't able to do it. They were, grinding, they were grinding and grinding in this one. The pitch was beat up, and they were willing to make it ugly. And, but but um, Eintracht Frankfurt have so much quality. They're great. Uh, and they didn't even have their, their very best team, but uh, they, they, they have the ability to hold the ball. They attack well, and they matched up well. Um, unfortunately, this is, again, one of those ones where I think I, think, I want to say they're in the top three, is it, right now? They're well, when you look at the standings, Bayern Munich leads with 20, uh, 49 points, Leipzig uh, with 47, Wolfsburg with 42, and Frankfurt right there, same points, just uh, one goal less differential. So it's getting really interesting for that top four spot. Borussia Dortmund, by the way, I'm wearing their Christmas sweater that was sent to me a little late, but that's not their fault. Uh, but it's good. Erling Haaland, just, you just please watch this in the Revere Derby. My God. He's, I just have no words for that, man. He's just ridiculous. He's just it's, ridiculous. It really is crazy. And it, it's, again, one of these things where you like, you lose, you see uh, Bayern, they've given up points in seven games this, this so far this season. And, and you look at it and you go, man, why can't we have the Dortmund that we get when they are on, right? When they are on, when they were winning, you want them to do that every week. And they are literally, I, I truly believe this, a top three attack in Europe every few weeks, you know, like a top three. And, and I'm not talking about top five or attractive or fun to watch. Like literally when Jaden Sancho is on, when, when, when uh, Royce is, is on, when obviously Holland gives them all of their attack, but like, you, it's the most entertaining uh, to watch when, when, when they are on. And, and it's just sad to see how far they are down, down the table, uh, especially in a year like this, where you're like, it's going to come down to Bayern and RB Leipzig. And if you watch RB Leipzig, they are, they're good and they're fun to watch. But I don't really, I still, even with a, a two-point difference in the table, I still don't like their chances, right? They're not at the finished product. Between, they're not the finished yeah. product. Yeah. You give me two points in a gap between Dortmund and, and Bayern this time of year and and the quality that Dortmund have, I'm like, yeah, this might be Dortmund's year. Um, but yeah. against RB Leipzig, not to disrespect them because they've been fantastic. Um, they're just, you know, punch for punch. I just see Bayern being able to like scrap, scrape out more more points for the rest of the season. Yeah. Absolutely right. And by the way, just a quick note, uh, PSG, a great win against Barcelona. Everybody happy without Neymar, Kylian Mbappé, just shining. Well, they lost uh, 2 nothing to Monaco. 
uh, our JJ, Jonathan Johnson, tweeting that it was just basically farcical, just a terrible performance. Uh, I didn't see the game, so I don't want to talk about it that much, but PSG losing to Monaco. Uh, and now in the in League A, you have Lille top, 58 points, Lyon 55, PSG remaining in third, but without win, Monaco are now 50, uh, 52 points. So, you know, things are very tight, but it's just, it's just ridiculous. You, you go and win against Barcelona quite emphatically. Yeah, crush. And then you lose to, not to take anything away from Monaco, perhaps they were fantastic, but, you know, according to Jonathan Johnson, it was just not a very good performance from PSG. And that's just one of the issues for them. Uh, it's just consistency. They just got to keep rolling, whether it's Liga or Champions League. Uh, you know, not excusable for them, which is, you know, something to think about for PSG and Mauricio Pochettino as they continue in the Champions League. Uh, because even though you want to win the Champions League, you want to make sure that you're in the next one, <laughs> you know. They should have, and no disrespect to Lille because they were really entertaining uh, and and may go out now in the Europa League after the first leg, you know, yeah. uh, should have had better there with Timo Weah scoring. Um, but PSG, if you watch them and their attack against, you know, a global giant, you do not expect them to lose at the weekend uh, in the league against anybody. Monaco are, 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 are in a really good form this year and and are, I, I think, will finish in a European spot. But, you know, that's the games that you should really get up for. You got up for it against Barcelona. Like, what what, what is missing to be able to, to take all three points? And that would have um, put them still in second place behind Lille, but just in a really good position to, to um, yeah, you, you know, you have a new coach in and you obviously show what you can do uh, to, to fall short. Kind of a disappointing, you know, it's funny because we want all these other teams to win the leagues. And then when the big teams are follow, you go, man, we're disappointed that they're not. In top <laughs> I know. We're never happy. Heath. We're just yeah. never happy. Yeah. Speaking of big teams, the United States women's national team, after winning against Canada last week in the opening of She Believes Cup, not convincingly, but they got that win. They win 2 nothing against Brazil. Goals from Kristen Press and Megan Rapino, who did her uh, baby celebration for uh, Ashley Harris and uh, Ali Krieger. That, that was cool. Uh, but that means that two games, two wins, the U.S. WNT uh, overtakes Brazil in first place. And it's a huge one because, you know, it means closer and closer to defending their She Believes Cup title. And uh, Kristen Press was great. Rose Lavelle was great. Crystal Dunn, as always, good for Megan Rapino to get a goal there. And, you know, this is just basically, uh, he, like Vladko Andonovsky said, and uh, we had Becky Sauerbrunn a few weeks ago. This is just, you know, this tournament, obviously it's important, but more importantly, it's like tougher competition and just, you know, a closer look at how you can get ready uh, for the Olympics. Yeah, it's what I like about it is that even though it is round robin, it still is a tight window of games that matter, right? And that's really hard to find um, before you go into uh, games of, of consequence. And when you play friendlies and you're out of competitions or you play regional ones that are just uh, for the U.S. women anyway, a pretty big walkthrough, I would, for the most part, you know, you want to get up for these types of, uh, of games and really test your team and, and know how you're going to rotate your squad over a few days and those types of things that go into tournament play, right? Being good at tournaments um, 
as we know, is very different than being good um, in, a, in a friendly or managing a tournament. So to, ha to go through that repetition of a match, recovery, training, you know, preparing for all of that, playing a different type of opponent that could play a different style of play and know that it matters uh, is, is, is a good test run for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, that's it, everybody. That's our weekend recap with Heath Pierce. I hope his leg's okay. Heath, your leg's going to be all right? Honestly, I can still feel it. I don't want to pull my <laughs> leg back under the chair. Uh, but that was um, – I've caught a, a couple of these on this show, and I feel like maybe you're, you're, you're edging towards a compilation now. If I do this one more time, you're going to – you know what I mean? You're going to be able to, to, to put that out into a mixtape for all, well, of our, uh, all of the fans. This is the only one uh, that we kept at the show, so I'll have to dig back and see what happened there. But uh, we're getting old, Heath. We're getting old, man. We're just getting old. But you know what? doesn't matter because the energy, the love is all still here. Any final thoughts, Heath, before we say goodbye? Because that's our weekend recap. Oh, the last thing for me would be, you know, Atletico letting uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid back into the title race. And I believe uh, the Madrid derby is coming in a couple weeks. And it's going to be a long and tough run for Atletico to, to, to see this out. But that would be the thing that I'm pinning on the calendar as a, as a decisive moment. Um, I want to say it's in, in, in two or three weeks after their Champions League game. But um... Well, when I uh, give me one second, I will let you know the Madrid derby is March 7th. Lock it. Sunday, March 7th. It's going to be a big game. But also, you know, uh, El Clasico as well. As well, I believe we have one more. Uh, you, know, that, you know, that's meant to be in April. So this is now because of that loss, as you mentioned. La Liga has gone a little bit more interesting. Even Atleti does have that game in hand, but losing games like this at home, you know, uh, they're crucial. Yeah, and they also play. They also play Villarreal coming up. They also play Athletic Bilbao, who who aren't great, but always a difficult opponent. Not no walkover. They're sitting somewhere in the middle of the table right now, and I think they may have drawn today, or 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 not sure how that finished. But yeah, it's 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 it is. It is one where, you know, when you look, they've given up points again in three or four of the last five games um, uh, for Atletico. And, and we've, we've slept on them because it's like a draw. Oh, they're, it's okay. We're not going to close those gaps. But when you look at a 10-point gap, starts to narrow when you give up two, two points, two points. And now they lose. You're like, oh, man, this title race might be on. But that's my closing thoughts. Absolutely right. And by the way, Athletic Bilbao uh, tied with Villarreal one all today. Well, Heath Pierce, always good having you, brother. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Hey, everybody. I want to thank Heath Pierce for joining me today. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Pod. We're on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Lasso. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, cbssports.com. Make sure that you subscribe, you give us a nice comment, and you keep supporting the pod and the show. Have a great, great beginning to your week. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend 
or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 